Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, we've got birthday salutes for Cliff Hess and William Tracy, his for the first time. We'll have a black and tan, not the drink, the songs, have some nice hot biscuits, and a vocabulary lesson. And we'll also obey our broadcast curfew of 6.59.45 p.m. This very day, June 19th, marks the birth in 1891 in Cincinnati, Ohio, of Clifford Frank Hess to Frank C. Hess, a garment worker, and Elizabeth Marie Fisher. Cliff, as he was called, received some formal musical training as a child and was talented enough to have his first known tune, It's a Bird, published by J.C. Grone in 1905 at age 14. For the next several years, he played piano on riverboats on the Mississippi and Ohio rivers and by 1910 was working as an entertainer and arranger in Chicago. He landed a job with Watterson, Berlin, and Snyder and came to the attention of Irving Berlin himself who could play piano by ear, but could not read or write music. Hess helped Berlin by writing down Berlin's tunes as he played, and helping harmonize and score them into songs. In 1913, Hess was in Manhattan, working as Berlin's full-time live-in private secretary, assisting with Berlin's composing to the point where he could be considered a co-composer of many of Berlin's tunes of that year, as well as assisting in Berlin's business affairs. In 1914, Hess began writing under his own name and ended the professional relationship with Berlin in late 1918. He started working for Leo Feist as a composer and arranger, collaborated with Joseph Santley on a number of musical comedies, recorded piano roles for melody, and continued writing his own compositions, joining ASCAP in 1919. In the 30s, Hess was writing for film, sometimes traveling to Hollywood to work with other musicians. In the early 50s, he moved to Brownsville, Texas, where he died on June 8, 1959, from congestive heart failure and is interred at Brookside Memorial Park. He had his first birthday salute in 2019, but here are three more from the pen of Cliff Hess. Let's do the hokey pokey, shall we? Not that one, this other one. Derby, that's where we come from. It's a town way down in Tennessee. Some folks think it's mighty slow. Still, it has its push and go, and it's plenty fast enough for me. There was a man in Derby town as strong as any ox. They say the reason was because he'd never change his hokey pokey diddly rum. He never changed his mind. He said, I'm strong because I'm always drinking pickle brine. Hokey pokey diddly rum has a town that makes things hum. Derby takes the cookie every time. 
talk about your money's worth. There's no other place on earth you can have as much fun on a dime. The folks in Derby have their freedom, though it may sound queer. A man can step in anywhere and get a glass of hokey pokey diddly rum. Perhaps you think I lie, but every man in Derby has a twinkle in his eye. a dentist in our town for whom I'd like to vouch. When he expects a tooth, why all you do is holler, hokey pokey diddly rump, which proves as I have said, the only painless dentist is a dentist who is dead. I kicked a little dog one day, you should have heard him wail. Where did you kick him, sir, you say? Oh, thereby hangs a hokey pokey diddly rump, oh, thereby hangs a tail. I kicked him without conscience, and I kicked him without fail. The circus came to Derby, and I saw the old giraffe. And when I saw the monkeys, why, it really made me hokey pokey diddly rump. I laughed, I tell you, friend. Swanee Shore, I'm lo- 
who's longing for her cheery hello. I want to see those darkies all dancing, where life is full of joy and romancing. Swanee Shore, there wander a sycamore, I'll slumber forevermore. I want to come and Turnips, co-written with Fred Allert, played by Vic Myers and his orchestra. This recording was made May 7, 1924 in Los Angeles and issued on Brunswick 2664. Before Beats and Turnips, Ruth Edding, accompanied by Rube Bloom and Swanee Shore. 
with the words by Cliff S. and the music by Charles A. Bourne. Columbia 1075D was born on the same day of the year as I was, July 13th, but in 1927, at least a couple of years before me. Charles Bourne wrote at least one other tune, and you'll be hearing it in an upcoming show. We started our tribute to Cliff Hess with a song co-written with Wendell Hall of It Ain't Gonna Rain No Mo fame, which accounts for the silliness of Hokey Pokey Diddle Dee Rum. It was performed there by the Happiness Boys, Billy Jones and Ernie Hare, accompanied by the Bow Wows in November of 1925. There's no indication at all on the label of OK40519B of just who the Bow Wows were, but Jones and Hare also recorded the song for Edison. And Wendell Hall recorded Hokey Pokey Diddle Rum himself several months earlier. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. It's time now for another edition of One Thing thing in Common. common. You know, that's where we play a set of records which seemingly have nothing whatsoever to do with each other, yet have One Thing in Common. common. The three records in this set are all instrumentals, and I'm guessing some of you out there will be able to guess the common thread from the first few bars of this first tune. Thank you. 
If I'm not to spoil the answer to the one thing in common, I can only give you the name of the artist on the first record, only the title of the second record, and neither the artist nor the title of the third record. The first record was by Red Norvo and his Blackhawk Orchestra in 1937. The title of the second record is just a bird's eye view of my old Kentucky home. I can tell you that it was performed by a Gene Goldkett band, just not which one. And I can tell you that the March tune on the third record was written by Victor Herbert. Well, the common thread is that they all have to do with automobiles. We started with Jivin' the Jeep, written by Red Norvo. Next was just a bird's-eye view of my old Kentucky home by Gene Goldkett's book Cadillac Hotel Orchestra. At least that's what the label of Victor 20268 says. It was recorded on September 29, 1926, not at the book Cadillac Hotel in Detroit, but at the Webster Hotel in Chicago. Just a bird's-eye view of my old Kentucky home was composed by Walter Donaldson, and there are words written by Gus Kahn. In January of 1921, an automobile show and dealers convention was held in New York City with 1,200 car dealers and factory executives from across the country attending. The Dodge Brothers Company was very well represented, with the California delegation arriving aboard a private train called the Dodge Brothers California Special, made up of several Pullman cars carrying dealers from around the state. The Dodge Brothers Company hosted their sixth annual dealer's luncheon in the grand ballroom of the Waldorf Astoria with a little wooden crate of fresh California fruit at each place setting, courtesy of the California dealers. Entertainment was provided by the Dodge Brothers Industrial Band, which had won first prize at the Elks Convention the previous year in Chicago. And one of the tunes the band played was the Dodge Brothers March especially composed by Victor Herbert for the Dodge Luncheon and dedicated to the late Horace E. Dodge in appreciation of his generous support in the advancement of American music. Not only that, but Herbert personally conducted the band. We heard an Emerson recording of the march, which was probably recorded before the event, conducted by the band's regular director, William R. Burnham, and handed out to attendees. Last week I mentioned Healy's Restaurant in New York, where Teddy Brown played piano very early on in his career. It was one of a number of hot spots around Columbus Circle that catered to the late-night theater and burlesque crowds. Healy's at Broadway and 66th was one of the biggest and busiest, featuring an indoor ice skating rink and an enormous dining room and ballroom. At 1 a.m. on August 13, 1913, police burst into Healy's and unceremoniously shoved, pushed, and dragged all the patrons outside, where several thousand people were protesting the police action. Several days earlier, Mayor William J. Gaynor had instituted a new cafe curfew for the restaurants and nightclubs because it was feared they were turning the area into an all-night alcohol-fueled soiree. Hotels were routinely granted exceptions to the new 1 a.m. curfew, which would obviously cut deeply into the restaurant's profits. While some owners complied, Thomas Healy defied the order, kept his place open, and filed an injunction. This led to several nights of hostility with police, culminating in the pandemonium of the 13th, and the following night as well. One of the ejected diners was New York District Attorney Charles S. Whitman a popular politician and candidate for mayor who was elected governor of New York in 1916. 
His appearance forced Gaynor to back down and allow Healy's to remain open if it wished, but in the end Healy wound up closing at 1 a.m. anyway for the protection of his patrons and staff. So here to commemorate the cafe curfew of 1913 is Scat Powell lamenting curfew time in Harlem, even though by the time of this recording the curfew was 4 a.m. Thank you. 
Pete Brown Sextet with That's the Curfew from February 20th, 1945 on Savoy 78, number 533B. Pete Brown played alto saxophone and the guitarist was Al Casey, heard on many Fats Waller records. The label credits That's the Curfew to J.O.P. Brown, which stands for James Ostend Peter Brown. Before that, Willie Farmer and his orchestra and Curfew Time in Harlem with the vocal refrain by Scat Powell. Curfew Time in Harlem was written by Farmer and Neil Lawrence. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. A few weeks ago, I played When Harlem Comes to Mayfair, which reminded at least one listener of the song When Hollywood Goes Black and Tan, and requested I play it. So here it is to start off a black and tan set. Babies from Manhattan will be leaving Harlem if they can. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. When Hollywood goes black and tan, Louis Armstrong with his trumpet will be heading westward with his band. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. When Hollywood goes black and tan, Harlem crooners with a swing will be singing at the studio. Makes no difference if you can't sing, just say, he'd he'd hide the hole. When they start to swing that rhythm, I'll be heading for that promised land. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. You won't find them wangin' buckin'. Everybody will be truckin'. It's gonna be grand when Hollywood goes black and tan. (laughs) 
Harlem says he'll be there to give those boys a helping hand. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. When Hollywood goes black and tan, old Bob Howard made a promise to latch on to that baby grand. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. When Hollywood goes black and tan, Step and Fetch is gonna sing and dance like Fred Astaire. Nina May don't have to sing cause she can be petite like Ina Claire. Water's gonna do a fan dance and shake those feathers off a fan. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Here's good news and it's the newest. Braddock's going to meet Joe Lewis. It's gonna be grand when Hollywood goes back in town.
Duke Ellington and his famous orchestra with Black and Tan Fantasy, written by Ellington and trumpeter James Bubber Miley. The Duke recorded Black and Tan Fantasy several times. This was from Brunswick 6682, recorded April 7, 1927, credited to the Washingtonians. Before that, blues vocalist and pianist Cleo Brown and When Hollywood Goes Black and Tan. That's from DECA 632, made November 20th, 1935, in Los Angeles. Cleo accompanied herself on piano, along with Bobby Sherwood on guitar, Manny Stein on string bass, and drummer Vic Burton. We had some biscuits on the June 5th show, but I'm going to serve you another heapin' helpin'. Catch you feed my man. Ooh. 
singer Georgia White and Biscuit Roller from May 19, 1937. Accompanying Miss White were Richard M. Jones, piano, Banjo Ike Robinson, not on banjo but guitar, and John Lindsay on the 88s. That's from Decca 7357, one of about a hundred sides Georgia White recorded for the label. Before that, Alex Bartha and his Hotel Tremore Orchestra with Hot Biscuits, written by Mo Clayton. Victor 24059 was made in the former Trinity Church in Camden, New Jersey, on July 6, 1932. We started the set with some good biscuits. That was Memphis Mini from Vocalion 04295, July 23, 1938. Memphis Mini was born Lizzie Douglas in 1897 in Louisiana and was not only a blues singer, but also guitarist and composer. Although she didn't write Good Biscuits, Charlie McCoy, who played mandolin on that record, did. You know what we haven't had in a while? That's right, a vocabulary lesson. This week's word is eidetic, E-I-D-E-T-I-C, an adjective meaning marked by or involving extraordinarily vivid and detailed mental images, more commonly referred to as having a photographic memory. Jackie Gleason was reported to have an eidetic memory, able to memorize an entire half-hour script in a single read-through. So here were a couple of eidetic songs, beginning with Kenny Sargent.
space before me Crowding my every dream There is your face before me You are my only team It doesn't matter where you are I can see how fair you are I close my eyes and there you are Always If you could share the magic If you could see me too There would be nothing tragic In all my dreams of you Would that my love could haunt you so Knowing I want you so I can't erase your beautiful face before me I can't erase your beautiful face before me WLS Chicago, the Sears Robot Station, presenting Ford and Glenn, our lullaby boys, in... I'll see you in my dreams. Here we go. Live that once, once. 
Ford and Glenn. That would be Ford Rush and Glenn Rowell with I'll See You in My Dreams, written by Aisham Jones and Gus Kahn. That record, Columbia 303D, January 23, 1925, was announced by George Dewey Hay, known as the Solemn Old Judge of WLS. Hay was born November 9, 1895. He was a member of the WLS Barn Dance and the WSM Grand Ole Opry, and is credited with establishing country music on the radio and with launching the careers of countless country music stars. He was a reporter for the Memphis, Tennessee Commercial Appeal, but when the newspaper started its own radio station, WMC, in January of 1923, he became the station's late-night announcer, and that started his voiceover career. Before that, Kenny Sargent with Glenn Gray and the Casaloma Orchestra and I See Your Face Before Me, written by Arthur Schwartz and Howard Dietz for the show Between the Devil. That's from DECA 1608A, December 8, 1937. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. If you had half as much fun as I did, then I had twice as much fun as you. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. <laughs>